0: Amen. Well, it's good to see you. Thanks for the worship, guys. Appreciate it. Um, also wanted to, while we're honoring people, I, it's so important to honor the veterans. My grandson, Brandon, though, yesterday, he was telling me how, like, if you're a veteran, you get free stuff everywhere. On Veterans Day, he goes, Papa, do you think they'd give me something free if I told them I'm a Minecraft veteran? And I go, I don't think so. But... um Chris, our sound man, Chris Matthews, it's his birthday today, that's what the the balloons are for back there, so appreciate Chris so much, and it's good to celebrate him. Well, as we're continuing in our series on the verses for life, verses that the object is every week we pick a scripture that if you just lived that verse for the rest of your life, you would do Well. It would be good for you. These are the kinds of verses that we hope that some of us memorize, think about them, process them, work our way through the truths that are represented in them. And it's amazing how many verses there are in the scriptures that I just go, yeah, I could think about that verse the rest of my life and my life would be better. And so each week we look at another one. Today... We're in um, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, so you can turn over to that scripture and uh, check it out, and I'm praying that if it touches your heart, that it'll be, become more a part of your week this week as you, as you meditate on it. So, Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, it starts out, honor the Lord, honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits, the the first fruits, or that means whatever new comes in, the first fruits of all of your um, increase. The the you take you honor the Lord with your with your with what you have, but beyond that, the first fruits of everything that increases. And as a result, he says that. If you do that, your barn will be filled with plenty. Your barns will be filled with plenty. And at the same time, your vats, the places where you would smash the grapes in order to make grape juice that then they would ferment into wine, that they'll be overflowing with new wine. Or it's really just the word wine, but they specify new wine because obviously fermented wine doesn't come out of a press. What comes out is grape juice. and then. But it also speaks of... Here's something that's going to become something even more, but it turned, it came from this. So honor the Lord with your possessions, with everything that you have. And when something else comes, the, you find the first fruits, or the word there for first fruits in the Hebrew is reshith. It's the first word in the Bible, it means beginning. So Genesis 1 1 starts out, bereshith, bara Elohim, in beginning. God created. And so it's like when when there's something new that comes along, honor God with that as well. And again, the promise is as a result, the barn, it'll always be have plenty. You'll always have what you need and beyond that, it'll be like you'll have extra, you'll overflow, you'll be blessed. Now, a lot of times people use this scripture as a way of telling people that you should be tithing. And you're probably like, if you've been around churches, this time of year, this verse comes up quite a bit. But it's not about tithing at all, really. Um, in fact, Solomon here is writing to Jews. Their tithe was like our taxes. You know, you, if you don't pay your taxes, you'll go to jail. Their tithe was something that just came off the top. So he wasn't saying, you need to make sure that you give your 10% it's so much more fundamental and critical than that. It's like honor God. The word there for honor is the word kabod, it's a a word that, that refers to something that's weighty or heavy. Now the way it would be used this way is when you're purchasing anything, you would put it on a scale and see how much it weighs. And so this word to honor the Lord is the idea of make him weighty, heavy, significant, important. How you appreciate God, how you see him, how important you see him, is something that then controls everything else that you do. We use the word honor, like we'll say, you know, we want to honor our veterans. And we mean like, oh, raise your hand, thank you. But... Honoring veterans, if you truly honor veterans, it's not something you do one day. It really gets down to the source of your heart. How much do you truly value and appreciate those who were willing to give a big chunk of their life and and risk their lives, potentially, in order to purchase the kind of freedom that we all appreciate? Now, do we think about that? Now, honor the Lord, as it's used here. This is the only place in the Old Testament where the words are put together quite that way. The closest thing to it is in Isaiah where he said, God spoke and he said, you honor me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. Jesus ended up quoting that same verse from Isaiah. It's like, talk is cheap. You say that you honor me, but do you really from deep within you? You you say one thing, and I think certainly, if 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 we look at the way we look at veterans, it's much easier to honor them with our mouth. Yeah, good good job, thanks you guys. But how much of in our heart do we really think about, reflect on, and understand the significance of who they are? How do we treat them? Like you obviously, and it's not a Veterans Day message, so I could go off forever on the way that we treat our veterans, but. The way we treat God, very similar. Plenty of people, if you go, so how many of you value God? And most of us would go, yeah, let's give God a hand, let's a praise offering, let's, yeah, or even people would be like, so throw a few bucks in the offering plate. That's what he's worth? Is that your concept of honoring God? God's concept is a lot different. It involves everything that we have taking everything that we have and everything we are and saying, the way that we handle our stuff is the way that we appreciate God. Is he factored in? Is he a part of the process? Um, and so Solomon understood this. That, and Solomon possessed a lot. He actually inherited a lot from his dad, David. Solomon, as the wisest guy in the world, was really good at producing wealth as well. But he says, here's what God is worth, everything. And if you truly honor him, it should affect what you have. But then he takes it a step further. And it should also affect everything you're ever going to have when increase comes. And that word refers to profit, but it's like the beginnings of, the first fruits of whatever it is that increases that you honor God with as well. The result, hey, your barns will be full of plenty. What's in a barn? The equipment that you need to do farming. The, you certainly harvest some you know, products there and, and in order to sell them, in order to keep the operation going, but you save seeds as well because then that becomes the future productivity so you have everything that you need and everything that you will need moving forward. And again, when you crush the grapes, which it's hard for us to imagine these vats, um, unless, unless you watched Lucy and Ethel do it, but um, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's flowing, it's working, it's good. You're, you're productive. So, God isn't saying that if you don't honor me, I won't make you wealthy. He isn't saying if you honor me, that I will make you wealthy. But what he's saying is, look at what you do with what you have, and you can find out whether or not you truly honor, value me. And if you value me, you'll have plenty. You'll be fine. So, quite a radical promise. It's interesting that Solomon would choose the imagery of farming, because Solomon was not a farmer. So what's he talking about with the barn and seed and, and grapes? And he, Solomon, people would bring him that stuff. But the image of a farm is really important. Jesus was never a farmer either, but he used the image of farming a lot too. The thing about farming is it's a process. It takes time. There's a whole lot, as we'll talk about, that that makes that a powerful metaphor. But to get back to what's God worth to you? Honor the Lord. Value him. How much does he truly matter? What you do with everything else will let you know whether or not you honor God. Now, honoring God is never for God's sake. Uh, Sometimes we get this confused, like, If you make sure that you give to God, then God will be so grateful that he will give back to you because God really needs to be honored. If none of us value God at all, it doesn't change anything about God. If everyone in the world decided to become an atheist, God is just as valuable as he ever was. He's not like trying to get support. He's not trying to say, please, I just need a little encouragement. No, He wants us to honor Him because it's for our good. It's because then we understand the kind of God who's working in our lives. We understand the kind of God who loves us, who's looking out for us, who provides for us. We can see then everything we have as a reflection of this God and we go, wow, He's really amazing. And that helps us, not Him. But again, one of the major things that we have to take away from, from this is talk is cheap. It's some, by the way, you see honoring God again when you get to the book of Revelation. From chapter 4 all the way through to the end of Revelation, heaven is all about honoring God, and it uses that phrase repeatedly. Um, why? Is it because, oh, in heaven God will feel so good about people honoring him? No, you're going to look at him. You're gonna look at where you are and you're gonna go, wow. In the same way that we should look at where we are right now and go, wow, God's amazing. But it's not about saying it. Honoring God does not mean singing songs that make him feel good, it doesn't mean singing songs that make us feel good. It doesn't mean, you know, taking a few moments to just praise him. It's a fundamental, foundational concept that. What is he worth to you? How important is he? How central is he in our lives? Honoring him with what we have, first of all. So now you might go, "Uh, this is getting kind of personal. I mean, really, I honor him with my heart. Do I really have to honor him with my stuff? Do I really have to honor him with future stuff that I'm going to get? Absolutely. Because, yeah, it's the heart that matters, but it's your behavior and it's your outward decision-making that demonstrates what's in your heart. Again, your lips honor me, but your heart, it's a different matter completely. Now, when it comes down to evaluating that, the Bible often uses the imagery of, you know, Uh, farming as as a picture of this kind of honor. And specifically, it, it uses the imagery of what do you do with your stuff? What do you do with your money? What do you do with your time? The only way that I can quantify what's important to me is by looking at how I spend my money and how I spend my time. It's unavoidable. The scriptures repeat that constantly. It's like, If I say God's valuable to me, but I don't think about Him that much, I don't read His Word that much, I don't pray that much, I don't get in fellowship with others that much, it's like if God is a small part of your life, you can't possibly say that you're truly honoring Him, valuing Him over everything else, because He will not be second place. Either we value Him as our ultimate value or We don't value him at all. And so we're forced to look at those tangible evidences, and that's why Solomon says what he says. What do you have? How does what you have inform you about what matters to you, what's important to you? And then how about what's coming later? How about what you're going to have? How about when things work well for you? Does God have an, an impact on what your future life looks like too? And then it's almost like Solomon throws in there, if you have him as your ultimate value, then it's always going to work out. He's going to take care of you. Your barns will be filled with platy. You know, your vats will overflow with, with grape juice, with new wine. And it, it works that way. But this image of farms, Jesus talked a lot about farms. He wasn't a farmer. Solomon wasn't a farmer. But the image is so powerful because think about what it takes for barns to be filled with plenty, okay? How do you get that way? Somebody had to say, have a vision, have a plan. I think I'll start a farm. And then you have to save your money and, and work hard, in order to buy a piece of land that you've researched that this is a good place to do a farm, and then you get it, and then you work other jobs while you're building your, you know, your house and your barn, and then you work to plow the ground, and you have no increase. So far, this thing is just costing you. And then you have to go into debt probably to buy seed, and you plant the seed, believing that it's going to grow at some point. You have that faith to do that. And then you water it, and you, and you continue to pull weeds. You do everything that you can do to take care of, to manage something that at this point is still only potential. Eventually, what that work translates into is hopefully a fruitful harvest. And to make matters worse, some years something happens you know somebody uh, you know pests come in or a, a storm or it's dry or some so you're taking this long-term approach to understanding i am risking everything for with the vision that at some point this is actually going to be productive and so that picture is so powerful because it's like What you do with your money, what you do with your time, what you do with your talent, all of those things, you're taking a risk. You're taking a chance, but you're believing somehow by faith that by making the right decisions now, it can turn into something better later. We live in a world where the idea of better later is almost dying out. It's, you know, the one thing I saw an article the other day that that finally, I saw something that the USA is leading the way in. Um, we're now all the way up to 1.07 um, trillion dollars in credit card debt. USA. You know, it's like that's, we've spent over a trillion dollars that we don't have, that in many cases, we think we can just keep paying the interest on it, and it'll be OK. That's the kind of short-sightedness that will never be blessed. That kind of going into debt, uh, unless it's in order to establish something that's really going to create something that's going to generate revenue, it's foolish. But if we, if we honor God, if we value him, then we understand that if we're listening to him, if we are putting him first, if he is the one that matters, that he will help us to know where to build the barn, where to build the field, how can i hang in there and plow how can i get through a tough winter how can i get the thing harvested how can i get it marketed and sold and everything else and he's and solomon is saying you do the work and if you're honoring god he is going to bring the success to you so anything that's worth anything in life it takes sacrifice it takes risk it takes an effort but he's saying if God is as valuable as we believe that he is, you can do this, and ultimately, by committing what you have and what you're going to have to him, in the end, he's always going to take care of you if you've done it that way. And you'll always, and it, it won't be like, you'll be the richest person in the world, but you'll have plenty. Your, your barn will have what it needs. Your, your grapes will overflow into the vats so that you can um, produce something that you're able to market. So, but at the center of all of this stuff is, God has to be first. You cannot honor God, but honor other things more. You can't have higher priorities than God and say that you still honor God, because by definition, God is God. So there's nothing ultimate beyond him, So he's saying, look, you'll be taken care of if you honor God, but if you don't honor God, God is saying, then you don't know me at all. Now that's kind of a scary concept, because for many of us, sometimes at different parts of our lives, we need to be reminded, but we would say, yeah, with our lips, like Isaiah says, yes, I honor God. But the truth is, I am making my life decisions I am deciding what to do with my time and my finances in a way that really has nothing to do with anything that God is doing or is going to do. And Solomon would just go, you're fooling yourself. If you think that God will play second fiddle to whatever else you care about, you honor him with everything you have and everything you ever will have, and he'll take care of you. So if what you're really worried about is being taken care of, he'll do that, but you have to let him be honored in that way, the Lord to be heaviest, for him to be the most significant. Now, again, this doesn't happen without a lot of hard work. You can't just sit there and expect God to to bless you if you're not valuing him, but if you're valuing him, you get to work that 's a huge part of it, so you go, there is no reward from God if you 're not working hard, but here 's the tricky part: Just working hard does not necessarily bring you into an, a relationship with God. There are plenty of people who work really hard, plant their field you know, and harvest them and and have lots and and they 're very successful. Because they work hard, and yet they don't honor God. So how do you make sense of that? Here's the thing. Those kind of people will never be satisfied. Jesus talked about, told the story about a guy who did this. Worked hard. Boy, anybody who works hard, there's always going to be a payoff. But in the end, when his barn was full, this guy decided, time to build more barns. That never satisfies you more and more and more, bigger and bigger and bigger, you never get to the point where you go, wow, I am blessed. I am satisfied. Life has been really good to me. If it gets better, great. If it gets worse, great. But I'm content. And so Jesus said, the guy who's like, I need to get bigger, that's the problem. Maybe a few more barns and I'm good to go. A few million more, I'm good to go. And he says, you idiot. Your soul is required of you tonight. Where's your soul? Who are you anyway? You have no perspective of your your psyche. You have no perspective on the inner part of you. So all you have is productivity. Now, you can argue I mean, I, would, I suppose I would say that somebody who works hard and makes plans and produces stuff, you know, ultimately might be better off than someone who doesn't do that. Um, hard work is something that God has ordained from almost the beginning. But at the same time, it isn't just hard work. I can't just say, I've worked hard all my life, so I guess I was honoring God. No, I have to ask myself that question How is he the center? How is he the most important thing to me? How am I demonstrating this in in some ways that are tangible? Because I don't want to just be successful. I want to honor God. I want to see God for who he is over and above everything else. Now, this scripture, you hear about it a lot because the so-called prosperity teachers, they like milk it. And the message that you hear whenever this verse is mentioned usually is, you know what, God wants you to be rich. I'm not going to necessarily even argue with that. But God, the way you're going to be rich is for you to send a bunch of your money to me because my private jet needs fueling. And as a result, God will pay you back. You give to me, God will give to you. It works great. That's not honoring God at all. In fact, if, you know, like Pastor Chuck used to say, if you really think that me giving to you, is then God's going to give to me, why don't you give to me and see if God gives to you? So it's like, by the way, the first prosperity teacher, his name was Satan. And he came to Eve and he offered some good things. He's like, come on, shortcut, you can do this. You know, later, thousands of years later, he came to Jesus And he took them up on a mountain and he showed them the kingdoms kingdoms of the world. Jesus loved the kingdoms of the world. He so wanted to embrace them as Jesus, as he wept over Jerusalem, how I long to gather you as a hen gatherer chicks. So the devil came to Jesus with something that God actually wanted to do and will eventually do for Jesus, give him the world. And yet the devil's like, here's a shortcut. So... This is not something that you do out of selfish desire to get more. I would say, if you think that giving things to God, you're doing it because you want him to make you more rich, keep it. Don't even bother. Just go ahead and wait until your soul is required of you and go, well, I sure liked those extra barns. It was great. But ultimately, this teaching is come into a proper relationship with God, value him, he'll always take care of you, but you don't value him because, you know, he's going to take care of you. You value him because he is who he is. But he just throws in there, by the way, you'll be fine. Don't sit and worry about, well, what if I do what God wants me to do? And, oh, oh who's going to pay the bills? He's like, you do what God's telling you to do, God will pay the bills. He will take care of you. You don't honor him so that you'll get it. You honor him because he is who he is, because he is that valuable. Now, again, one of the things that I love about the the imagery of a farm is it's a huge risk. And the truth is, the way we live our lives, if you're honoring God, you are taking risks. It is not safe to honor God. he. I remember a, a book called Your God is Too Safe by Mark Buchanan, and he talked about how it's not. You, you can't just follow God because it's the safest thing to do. In fact, following God always involves risk, like life. If you live your life all safe, you miss out on most of life. I, I heard years ago, I heard a story about a woman who named Mary Jones, who, she lived in this small town, and and the newspaper, um, every time someone would die, they'd do a special little obituary, and somebody at the paper was required to do it. And this woman, Mary Jones, she died, and they assigned it to the sportscaster. They go, write something about her. So he looked, and nobody had anything bad to say about her. Um, Nobody had anything good to say about her. She just lived her life, didn't do much significant, So he ultimately, when he wrote the epitaph for her, it said, here lie the bones of Mary Jones, for her life held no terrors. She lived an old maid, she died the same, no runs, no hits, no errors. (laughs) The object of life is not to be error-free. If you don't make errors, you're not trying hard enough. If you don't sometimes mess up, you're missing out, you're being too careful. But when it comes to honoring God... We're willing to risk his stuff. We're willing to risk our stuff. We're willing to take a chance with what we have. A farm doesn't happen if you don't take risks. And at the same time, God loves to ultimately bless you as a result of that. And it's the only way, really, to be blessed when it comes down to it. So, I mean, how this works, for instance, like as a church, there are things that we do that... If you quantified it it might be hard to say okay this is worth it like we just had our big Halloween night fall fest and it's like it was a big deal it cost money and so then you go how do we justify taking god's money and paying for pony rides and a petting zoo and you know all the food that we give away free and everything if you look at it short term you think I'm not sure if this is a great investment. It's why a lot of times churches charge for their stuff because they're like, okay, at least I'm not gonna have to pay for it. But we're looking at it long term in terms of what might happen because somebody who doesn't come to church, doesn't know anything about God, comes to a church and it's free and you get to ride a horse and you get a hamburger or a hot dog or whatever, hot dogs this year. who knows? It might really, it might bring somebody to heaven indirectly. So we think, let's take that risk. It's the same thing with our men's breakfast, with our togethers and everything else. If I looked at like what we pay every year for food that we give away, I guarantee the people that eat the food probably collectively don't give enough money to help us to break even on that. But we're taking a chance that somebody will invite someone who comes to church and goes, I can't believe they're not asking me for money. This is pretty amazing. And maybe they consider and open their heart to the Lord. We're taking a risk. The money that we spend, and by the way, with the Halloween thing, I had a guy here who, he goes, hey, Dave, I want to pay for all the food. I go, it's like 5,200 bucks. He pulls out his credit card and goes, here. Why? He's taking a risk. He's not, it's not like that's gonna, he didn't ask to have his business name put up so that people would, no, it's like, I value God and I know that he, you can't outgive God. He's going to take care of me and he has taken care of me. It's why I can afford to do what I'm doing. But, you know, the radio costs a lot to be on the radio. We're always battle, you know, we're always going, gosh, should we do this? Like, were on K-Wave and they just bought an AM station and they're jacking up their rates 25%. I'm not saying you need to give more to do it. If God provides, we're like, every once in a while, I hear somebody who tells me that they came to a relationship with Jesus Christ because they were hearing me on the radio. How do you put a price tag on that? You can't. So you go, okay, and I'm certainly not doing it to make me famous I know, the more people listen to me, the more mad they're going to get at me sooner or later. Like, I I have more people that I've offended than ever that I've saved. But it's like, you put it out there, you do what you can do to see what God's going to do. But you have to take a risk in order for that to happen. How do you know? Well, if it gets to the point where we can't afford the radio anymore, because, yeah, they jacked the rates up, but they also put us on an AM Station locally as well, which has a pretty good audience uh, potential. It reaches places that 107.9 doesn't. So it's like, okay, but God, if this is of you, bless it. If not, make it so we can't afford it. I don't have a problem with not being on the radio. I don't have a problem with not having church. I don't have a problem with all of a sudden, oh, you know, Dave, you've done it. People are upset and we can pretty much fit everybody into one service. I'm like, Great for me. That's awesome. But, you know, in the end, the question is if I value God, what risks am I willing to take? Not foolish risks, calculated risks. If you're going to make a farm, you have to find the best place to do it. You buy quality seed, you put good labor into it, you take care of it, and you see what happens. It's not just like any stupid risk you take is going to pay off. But if you're honoring God, he helps you to strategically understand where that goes. So for every one of us, it comes down to, if God is worth everything, now, what risks am I willing to take to see where he might bring about fruit from that? It pretty much eliminates, I mean, again, it's not just about working hard, of people work hard and don't honor God. But not, no one really doesn't work hard and honors God. That's impossible. It, it eliminates being a hoarder. It eliminates being a bum. No offense if there are any bums here, but it, it eliminates you know the, the whole concept of it's all about me. I'm cheap. I just don't want to give. I, you know Yeah, I, try, I throw my 10 bucks in every once in a while. Obviously. Somebody who isn't giving generously to the Lord's work of course they don't honor God. That's a no-brainer. But for every one of us, we have to come down to the point of, okay, do you really value God? How, how much do you value God? And then Solomon would tell us, prove it. Prove it. Look at how you spend your resources. Look at how you spend your time. Look at where your thoughts you know, drift to always and you'll see, you'll look in the mirror, and you'll know whether you honor God or not. You can be successful without honoring God, but you can, you can you know, not honor God and be a miserable failure even in the midst of your success. But if you're truly putting God first, it's amazing how good he is to us, while at the same time, we get to feel like, what I'm doing with my life really matters. There is no better feeling at the end of a day than to think, today I think I encouraged someone. Today I feel like, you know, hey, I invited somebody to church, or I saw somebody who looked miserable, or I saw somebody who was trying to cut in in traffic, and I waved at him and said, hey, go ahead, go in front of me. It's like all of that kind of stuff honors God because it shows you're not desperately looking out for yourself. Something different is going on. So again, Solomon says, Honor Yahweh, honor the Lord with your possessions and with any new incoming, the first fruits of all your increase. And what a beautiful promise. Your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this scripture and for its truth. And we're all very, none of us are like, we have this nailed. So that's why we need this verse for life. We need to remind ourselves every day of what you're worth. You're worth our hard work. You are worth our risks. You are worth our generosity. You are worth everything. So may we give everything that we have and everything that we will have to you. And instead of thinking, okay, how much money do I have to give God? We will ask instead, how much of God's money can I spend on me? How much of it is him just blessing or creating more for me in the future? So teach us to live by These words, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll stand.